1: Hey everyone, welcome along to Road of Radio. This is the NFL Draft Preview Series brought to you by the FFPC. My name is Colin Kelly and you can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. On this edition of the show, we'll be focusing on quarterbacks and running backs and my guest on the show is going to be none other than Matt Waldman, creator of the rookie scouting portfolio and writer for footballguys.com. You can follow on Twitter at Matt Waldman. It's good to be back on Rotovis Had a couple of weeks off there. Uh, my wife just gave birth to our first child, so it's been an exciting time of year. But glad to be back on talking with Matt, and we're going to get to that in just a second. But before that, I want to let the listeners know that we obviously have a lot of great content up on rotovis.com at the moment. And through the podcast, you can save yourself on a subscription to a Rotoviz NFL Pass right now. Get 30% off, and it is available through the NFL podcast homepage. That is rotovis.com forward slash podcast. Your subscription will give you unlimited access to all our NFL content and tools and best of all it supports the pod so get yourself ready for the draft get yourself ready for the nfl season get that nfl pass with a 30 percent discount at rotavis.com forward slash podcast so now matt uh, obviously it's been a very busy time for you getting ready for the draft of the rookie scouting portfolio and everything i know it's it's not just the draft time that you're uh, diving into these prospects it's pretty much uh, all year round so uh, how have things been for you over the last couple of weeks i'm sure it's been incredibly busy
2: you know this is actually a time where it calms down a little bit for me because I mean it's busy in terms of uh, doing podcasts um, but but you know all the work that leads up to um, producing a publication of that size is is really the, the busiest time of year so right now I'm getting a chance to relax at least a little bit between podcasts.
1: And uh, I'm guessing too that like when you've put in that work throughout the, throughout the college season then after the season getting ready for the rookie sc- scouting portfolio it kind of Probably gets uh, pretty easy for yourself uh, talking through all the prospects then at this time of year it's really just uh, regurgitating that knowledge that you've built up
2: yeah I mean and you look forward to it you know because you get a chance to share that with everybody.
1: Yeah, and uh, obviously when we're looking at some of these prospects, we're going to talk some uh, quarterbacks, then we're going to talk a little bit about the running back position. We've had this series running, we've had a couple episodes looking at both, so we're going to try and vary up the questions a little bit, and I know Matt, you've mentioned you've been on a lot of podcasts over the last uh, kind of month or so, so we're going to try and uh, diverge from maybe some of the players you've talked a lot about and get your opinions on some of the other ones. So obviously we have to talk as well about some of the top prospects at both positions, so they'll be sprinkled in too. So we'll start off with Sam Darnold, uh, you know a lot of people think he's the best quarterback in the draft class what for you are some of the things that he does well in the football field what are some of the aspects you think he needs to work on and then if you had to go for a comparison at the NFL and I guess the final one on that do you think he is the best in this draft class
2: no I don't think he is the best in this draft class but I wouldn't argue with anybody who would take him first because again it's a A big part of quarterbacking is where they match up with the team, and I think that he does match up with several teams in terms of what he does well. And Some of those things that he does well is that he is gifted at being able to create from off-platform positions, and oftentimes when you look at the way the quarterback is evaluated, that people are looking at perfect mechanics, they're trying to look for perfect mechanics and perfect throwing motion and perfect play from a perfect pocket, and And really none of that happens. So when you look at Sam Darnold, you know, one of the things that he does extremely well is that he can throw from odd angles and with defenders hanging off of him and being able to avoid defenders and throw with either power or touch. So those are some things that are that are probably the most appealing about Sam Darnold's game that translate well to the NFL.
1: And we're looking obviously at the quarterbacks. We're looking at Pro Ready. I think Pro Ready's you know you can be a certain amount Pro Ready, but all the the better quarterbacks tend to have had that time to develop behind somebody. But the other one that people are wondering could it be Pro Ready? And that's Josh Rosen. And you know how Pro Ready for you is he? And you know some of his better traits. What do you see? And then again, obviously if he's not Pro Ready, do you see any glaring faults in his game? I think that
2: when you look at Sam Darnold and Josh Rosen, you can see, you can compare them to boxers. You can say that Sam Darnold is kind of the, um, he's kind of the brawler. Who, When the heat of battle comes, he can land punches from pretty much strange angles and with power and do it in ways that are very flashy, and the more you mix it up with him, the more he comes out on top. Josh Rosen is probably the most prepared guy in terms of technique, so he's more of the ring strategist who who really understands the ins and outs of fighting from a technical standpoint, but sometimes he wants to brawl in situations where he really should just try and continue to win on points and box. And he ends up kissing the canvas every once in a while because he's trying to brawl in situations that he shouldn't. But that said, I think he's the most accomplished quarterback in this class. I think he's also um, the one who is most ready and his mindset in terms of how he handles himself while heavily criticized is, is really more the criticism is a reflection of NFL teams. Like many companies that say we want the most talented people who are curious, who own their job, and and actually manage upward, and who challenge people in a good way. And while Rosen has done some things in from an immaturity standpoint as a as a younger player that may have challenged that in a bad way, I think he's learned, and he's on. And how else do you learn unless you make some mistakes in that regard? I think he's probably the most pro ready, and probably the best suited to play right away and be able to challenge challenge. challenge teams in a positive way it's just that you know teams say all that just like companies say that or certain managers say it because they read it in some sort sort of you know some bestseller novel that they only gleaned a little few a little bit of information from but not really the whole context and wind up spouting that to their you know to their team about what what they need and then when they get it they're afraid of what to do with it and they're threatened by it so if he gets matched with the, the best team he'll be the best quarterback in this class
1: Yeah, one of the reasons as well this class for me is so intriguing is usually at the top of the class we, you know, you might have one or two or maybe even three but in this class you know there's that kind of top five and in some cases even people putting it to top six off the quarterback position to see how it shakes out and then of course we're going to have the teams that pick somebody and we see these flops we pick somebody a little bit later we see he ends up being a you know a franchise quarterback so it's always that intriguing dynamic of just who gets the quarterback in the right spot for the right fit and uses him and lets him develop in the right way so really really intriguing class another quarterback that's been picking up a little bit of hype heading into the draft and he kind of had hype this time last year then you know it got a little bit quieter didn't have as good a college season as maybe some people uh, expected that is Mason Rudolph what kind of signal caller do you think he's going to kind of project to at the NFL level and do you think somebody who is quarterback needy maybe in Arizona or a Buffalo maybe in that maybe second third round depending on where he ends up going should consider him I know like some people were talking about him maybe middle of the first round but I think for me uh, it's definitely uh, round two at the earliest that uh, I see him going where do you see Rudolph going and have you any fits that you think that might look well for him
2: Bye. <sighs> Yeah, I mean, really, I I don't really care where he goes, and I don't really care about what people think where he should or shouldn't go because when it comes down to it, quarterbacks are unfinished products. And, you know, as they enter the NFL, the NFL doesn't know how to develop quarterbacks on a consistent level, and they don't really even know how to identify what's good or bad about quarterbacks on a consistent level. It's a very (laughs) difficult position. So when you look at it, what happens is that out of sheer desperation, if they see a quarterback who has the physical size, has some semblance of technique, and doesn't have any major problems. With his throwing motion, and he came from a from a top program and showed that he could win and produce. They tend to um, they tend to get very desperate on draft day if the the quarterback's at the very top. One of them didn't fall to them in the middle or late rounds, and I would not be surprised at all if a team trades up to go get him or somebody takes him out of desperation. But he is a player that is capable of developing into a starting NFL quarterback with the right type of guidance. He has to get faster at his decision making in terms of processing information. That's probably one of the most common things that college quarterbacks have issues with because when you look at the game, the, often what happens is you have keys to read on the when you're looking at the defense. And as soon as that key comes open or, or that key becomes available and you identify it, the ball should be coming out of your hands, and your feet should be in position to be able to make that throw, so that you're throwing with with accuracy and velocity. And that's where the position of your feet really come into play. And what happens oftentimes with a lot of quarterbacks, even those in the NFL who are starters and maybe even considered decent starters, but not considered you know the top tier of quarterbacks, a lot of those quarterbacks in certain situations hesitate a little little too long. It could be a half a beat. It could be a beat. It's like listening to music and somebody being a little bit late in the way that they're playing with rhythm. And usually that means with a quarterback that they're processing. slowly, um, or they're hesitating or tentative about what they see and they don't trust it. And I think that when you look at Mason Rudolph, he has some of those processing issues at certain times, and he also has some accuracy issues in the short and intermediate game that need to be ironed out, even though he's a very good deep thrower and he looks the part in a lot of ways. So teams will find him appealing. It's just going to be a matter of whether he ever develops that level of confidence so that he's reacting to the speed of instinct
1: yeah very interesting and something you mentioned there you know is if you know if them quarterbacks go say five quarterbacks go in those maybe first 12 picks and you're looking then at you know we see it in our drafts every year in fantasy drafts where somebody sees the quarterbacks are going off the board the running backs are going off the board and somebody takes this massive leap and takes somebody maybe a round or two too early because they're afraid of missing out and that's exactly what will happen with these guys if the quarterbacks do go off the board a lot quicker uh, or as quick as Pretty much has been expected for this one. And then a couple of guys going a little bit later are, you know, those kind of trendy late round picks that have been talked about now is Kyle Leotta and Luke Falk. Have you any thoughts on those two? And do you think that either of those exhibit traits to be a, you know, a potential NFL starter long term?
2: Yes, I think both do actually, and and Kyle LaLeta is a is a player who may wind up being one of those first round picks if teams get really desperate. We could see five to seven come off the board um, in the first round, depending on you know the level of desperation. But Laletta is a player out of Richmond who is you know he's mobile, he's got a decent enough arm to be able to make most of the throws that you want to see, and depending on an offense that he's going to play in, could be all the throws. He's very good in the play action game. He has what I call quiet feet, which is the ability to move away from pressure, um, but to do it with economy and do it only as much as needed so that you can maintain that footing so that you can throw an accurate ball with good power to it. And that's a very difficult trait to teach. It's a trait that really comes with a combination of a lot of early work that's ingrained, but also good awareness. To, to be able to create in situations where either you see the pressure coming from a long time away and being able to adjust from a from a distance, or in some situations, which happens a lot more often in the NFL, where you have to let that pressure get come to you and get within a step of you and then make that movement so that you're maximizing the separation. He's very strong at that. So I think that he's a player that can develop into at least a play that will be in consideration for a starting job. And when you look at Luke Falk, a lot of times people, what they, they say about him is that he doesn't have a good arm. And so that he's, therefore he's not a good enough prospect to even consider as a starter, or, you know, they may look at some of his stats or look at, you know, whatever it is that they look at that they're talking about in that level. But I think he's solid in a, in a technical and conceptual way of handling the game and he handles some unexpected things. Well, Um, I'd, You know, the arm strength, depending on what a team wants to do, if they're looking for a lot of different types of power throws that are in the deep intermediate and vertical game, he might not be the type of player who's going to throw a team out of trouble, you know, just playing on his own in terms of if a defense is, you know, Forcing him to roll out and make certain types of plays in the tight coverage, but he is a quarterback that can make a lot of the throws that you're looking for. Um, you know, Deshaun Watson doesn't have that type of arm, and you know teams have been able to work around him to be successful. While a lot of people say that Baker Mayfield has a great arm. He still doesn't throw the post very well, and that's a very important route on most NFL offenses. It sets up a lot of things that teams are doing. And so, when you look at Luke Falk, you know he ha- he won't why you in that way, but he's a tough player who makes some good anticipatory throws. He understands where to get the ball out. He's very quick and decisive in the end zone, in the red zone, and he and he plays to that um, speed of instinct in a way that Mason Rudolph sometimes struggles.
1: Yeah, and something that I've been asking people on a couple of podcasts this off season, and I've thought of over the last couple of years is, you know, if you are a team that's struggling for that quarterback position, you already mentioned that the NFL teams have trouble evaluating the position. It is very hard to evaluate and get the right fit in the right team. And we've seen a couple of years ago with Washington when they took uh, Robert Griffin and then they took Kirk Cousins later in the, in the draft. Do you think that, you know, the two guys we mentioned there, Falk and Leota, that they could be potential guys for some of these teams maybe taking a guy in the first round to maybe double down later on in the draft and pick up one of those to, to see where they can go with them?
2: Oh, absolutely, and I think they should. And really, teams should be taking multiple quarterbacks. And but the problem is, is that the root issue with developing quarterbacks often lies with the owner, as opposed to anybody else in that in that organization. Because owners set the tone for how the how much time the organization, as it's structured at that current moment, have before it's turned over. Um, because owners tend to be very reactive. We've seen lots of examples. There's some really good owners in the league. You know, you look at. You know, owners like the Minnesota Vikings, the um, Pittsburgh Steelers, the New England Patriots, um, you know, those are some teams that are examples of of ownership who tend to give their coaches time to develop um, their team and to create a team and general managers time to create and stick with the team and to make some mistakes so that they can correct them. And, and I'd say Atlanta fits in there now, too. But a lot of owners, some of the problems that they have is that they they're too busy looking at things outside of their organization and what those things are saying to them you know whether it's an entity like espn or fox sports or it's you know a business associate or sponsor who who promises them a lot of money in business that's outside of what happens on the line between the lines and you know somebody will say well you should do this or you should consider that or you know And they actually react to that a lot more than you would expect. And so they oftentimes undo months and months and months and months of work. And so process is is often ignored, whether it's an analytical process with like the Browns or whether it's film study process or a combination of both, which I think most teams do, is a combination of both. And you you see that thrown away because you know the the guy wants to you know the guy wants to you know make a statement against the former city that kicked him out you know say like Bud Adams with taking Vince Young and, and after he had left Houston and wanted a Texas quarterback when the when the coach and the team and, and the coach and the scouts studied the players and wanted Jay Cutler And Jay Cutler was a Pro Bowl player his first couple of years before he got sold off to um, Chicago. And that was due to um, really a conflict with Josh McDaniels, who came in there. And according to Ted Sundquist, the former GM who was in that room, basically cursed out Jay Cutler and told him how horrible he was of the quarterback um, as their first greeting, like their first their first actual conference call. And that was some sort of I don't know what kind of ploy. McDaniels had, but Jay Cutler turned to his agent and turned to Sundquist and said, please trade me from this team if this is how I'm going to get my first opportunity to work with somebody. So, you know, it's a lot of a lot of strange and bad management decisions often drive this turnover and this lack of time the quarterbacks have to really develop because coaching staffs don't have time and players can't make mistakes in the and and learn from them at the level without their confidence being completely shot due to the pressure that's put on them and you know when you think about the quarterbacks you mentioned or that you mentioned the quarterbacks often develop behind another. You know, the more successful ones, you can look to Drew Brees, and he talks about Marty Schottenheimer benching him repeatedly um, throughout his early part of his career, but always saying to him, You're my guy. If we get back into this game after the mistakes he made, um, I'm going to put you back in because you just need a chance to sit down and learn from some of these. And it wasn't the way that, say, Hugh Jackson said, Sean Kaiser's the, you know, our guy and he's going to be good. And then he makes mistakes and he says he's no longer going to be our guy and just basically ruins the kids' confidence. And now they're, they've already moved on. And so, you know, there's one, there's a right way of doing it and there's a completely wrong way of doing it. And we just talked
1: about both. That's something that always interests me is the behind the scenes stuff. I like to get into the, you know, I like to get into the technical side of it. I like to get into the data side, but I like to see the behind the scenes. Think of it from a psychological point of view. What is going on behind the scenes with the team owners, with the management, with the players, trying to figure out all that sort of stuff. I'd like to really dive into it from that perspective too. So very, very interesting stuff there, Matt. Just want to let the listeners know that this show is brought to you by our friends over at the FFPC. That is the Fantasy Football Players Championship, the home of season-long high stakes Fantasy football, for some people it is the off-season, but not for the FFPC. If you're ready to draft now, the FFPC Best Ball Leagues are drafting daily with entry fees starting from just $35. They have both slow and live drafts, so you can get whatever way you want to get in on the action. And also if you're into dynasty the ffpc has you covered they have almost 200 active dynasty leagues with entry fees starting at 77 dollars and going all the way up to the high stakes of 2500 so get over there check out all that and don't miss out on the ffpc experience go to myffpc.com and register now that's myffpc.com the home of season-long high stakes fantasy football you'll also have heard us talking throughout the series about the opportunity to win a free 35 dollars entry into an ffpc league and all you have to do to get that opportunity is to head on over to itunes subscribe to the road of his radio channel leave us a written and review with your name in it and listen to an episode next week of the draft series and you will hear if you are the winner it is uh you know it's awesome being involved with the ffpc and this is another way we can reward our loyal listeners who have uh you know listened throughout the offseason listened throughout the season and we are greatly appreciative of each and every one of you so head on over to itunes leave that written and review with your name in it and of course we will let you know next week if you you are the winner and uh, jumping into one of those FFPC leagues. Also, if you're interested in a league with myself, with some of the other hosts, with some of the Road of His writers, email us at roadofisradio at gmail.com. Let us know that you're interested and we'll get that set up ASAP. We have filled up a couple so far this off season, So let's get drafting over at the FFPC. And of course, again, the website is myffpc.com. So when we move on to the, the running back position now, we're looking at, uh, you know, Barkley Barkley's uh, the top running back in this class. I don't really think there's any debate about that. He's been the top prospect for a long time and pretty much everyone is in consensus with that. The hype around him has kind of overshadowed some of the other notable running backs in the class. There's a lot of them that uh, I like in this class, but can you give your thoughts maybe on some of them? And uh, Darius Geis is one that I'm interested to see what your thoughts are. What are some of the, the strengths you associate with him? And I'd say Barkley, would he be your top rated running back in this class?
2: And, you know, it's a great question. It's probably the best running back class I've evaluated, and I would actually be the point one of the few people who actually disagrees with the Saquon Barkley assessment. I think he could be, and I think it's very close, and I think that if you're looking at him being landing in an offense that does a lot more work with him on on the edges and the way that they used Alvin Kamara or plan to use Alvin Kamara um, or a way that a team would throw the ball to Barkley, then I would say that... You know he can. He'll easily be one of the, the most productive if that happens. But he's not the most mature runner between the tackles, and that's been that's been something that's not talked about with him on a you know, and it should be because he makes a lot of mistakes when it comes to decision making with the way that plays are supposed to unfold. And people often um, cursorily blame um, blame the offensive line, um, and that say, well, it hasn't been a great offensive line. He's forced to create more. But really, if you take a look at his look at his play and you really understand how blocking schemes work. He often avoids good creases that he can get smaller gains with to try and get much bigger gains. And it's something that's common with a lot of backs that's easily correctable if they really work on it. LaShawn McCoy had that issue. Um, Jamal Charles had that issue. You can, Reggie Bush had that issue. But then there's players like Lawrence Maroney, C.J. Spiller, Will, um, you know Richardson, who didn't always learn to read the blocking schemes they weren't quite as familiar with or lost, didn't um, develop the maturity that they needed to. The more mature back who has similar athletic ability, who has – you know, who has better contact balance and is able to run for power and also understand not to put his team in bad situations and in, you know, very easy scenarios to get those short gains but still can break it long is Nick Chubb. And I think Nick Chubb is the best running back that I've seen in the past five years and and barely edges out players like Todd Gurley and Ezekiel Elliott, who I liked a lot and barely edges out um, Saquon Barkley, but other you know people won't talk about that because they think he lost burst, but they're not watching enough. If you looked at the combine, you know that. Um, and they talk they talk about his lack of receiving skill, but actually he caught a lot of balls as a freshman and repeatedly over and over again. When I look at um, running backs who often are talked about that way, and then later they say, "Oh, we didn't know he could catch the ball." Even their own teams, it's quantity over qua- It's quality over quantity. And Nick Chubb has the qua- the quality in his tape. Um, so you know, it's very close. I love Barkley, but um, you know, in certain types of formats or certain types of um, teams, in terms of how they're going to run their offense. If you're looking for a, a guy who's going to run more between the tackles, but can do some work on the outside, Chubb's the more well-rounded back. Not by much, but it's it's a surprise for a lot of people. But that's how I feel, um, and what my analysis shows. Um, when you take a look at Darius Geis, he's certainly up there too. And you know he's a, he's a better runner between the tackles than Barkley is right now as well. Um, Barkley should develop, but you know if you're going to grade players before the draft. You're you're looking at what they can do right now, and you're not going to project too much on a player who hasn't proven that they've overcome um, a, a maturity flaw that has to get you know that has to get better. Even though you may you know bump them up a little bit and saying that it's an, it's a correctable thing. There, you know, it's not it's not always the case as we've seen from the players I, you know, mentioned here in the examples. But guys can catch pretty well. You know, he's a powerful runner. He's got good balance. He's someone that certainly, you know, he Chubb, I would say that you know, a player like um, Royce Freeman, he and Barkley, they're all capable of delivering top end production early in this class, and they're even more than that who are capable of doing so carry on johnson and sony michelle are very good in this regard um johnson i think is a bit underrated um i think he's very good between the tackles he runs with very good leverage he knows how to make defenders miss and then sony michelle if he can shore up his um ball security which has been problematic for most of his career um if he can shore that up he could be as good as any of these backs in his class. And he's the best pass protector in this class. If you ask me, Barkley's very good. um, But I would say Sonny Michel's a a slight bit better um, and he's excellent with his burst. So we're looking at six players right here um, that I I think five to six players right here, who I think could be um, as productive, even though you may look at them on, on film and watch their games and say, Saquon Barkley's easily the most talented with the most upside. And I think he has the, most talent and upside but he's not the most accomplished and combination of talent accomplishment and what they bring to the table right now with a reasonable amount of what they can do and what they what they'll be able to learn you know without over projecting it you know Nick Chubb is is my surprise guy who I think leads it
1: yeah and it's uh, it's interesting there because you obviously mentioned as well you know the, the scheme fit is so important for the running back position you have uh, running backs that come in and just never fit that scheme and if you don't run between the tackles in college that's not part of your game it can be very hard to go into the NFL when you're up against you know a superior defensive line and you know depending on your offensive line scheme it mightn't just work out as well but you mentioned Kenny, so when you're looking at yours my kind of top three are going Barkley, Geis and then Chubb do you have Chubb ahead of Geis and Barkley or how does that top three run for you?
2: Yeah, it's Chubb, Barkley and Geis. Those are the those are the three that I have and um, it's you know, when you look at the separation, I would say it's it's a it's fairly small between Chubb and Barkley, um, but it's significant enough that it's not like it's not by a sliver. Um, it might be one you know, it's that one area of decision making that really separates the two. Um, and then with Darius Geis, there's a slight there's a slightly larger gap, but not much between Barkley and Geis. And it really, with all three of them, if one of them, you know, if Barkley or Geis... Had one better trait that was more consistent, and or was something that they've corrected. And I wasn't just projecting that they can correct it. Um, they would probably be higher than Nick Chubb. Um, so, but at the same time, that's not the, you know Chubb has flaws too, things that he can get better at. So it's you know they're all tightly they're all tightly together there.
1: Yeah, very very intriguing class again. I mentioned you know at the the quarterback position how there's those kind of five or six guys in the running back position. There's those you know five or six again, and somebody from the combine who has really picked up steam. You mentioned is Royce Freeman, and somebody then on the other side of the coin who has really started to kind of free fall after the combine is Ronald Jones. Based on the two of them, have you any thoughts? Uh, I know you kind of mentioned for, uh, Freeman already, but on Jones, have you any thoughts on what has happened to you know his stock post combine?
2: Yeah, I mean, I just think that that's that's probably more if If he's fallen, I don't think it's done so because of his um, of his times. I think they know how fast he is. I think they can see it. I think I think also that he proved in his pro day that he was a little bit better than what they saw there, and he was still dealing with a hamstring injury. So I'm not worried about that. But I think some of that is more about interviews and some of the things that have been said about his approach to dealing with teams. Um, so there may be he may fall a little bit in terms of where he could have gone and where he could have been slotted, but he's an excellent player. And as long as there are not any glaring red flags with, you know, with his personality and and his off the field or how they think that he'll work with, with people, uh, I think that he's a, you know, he's a very dynamic player who understands how to run between the tackles, has some, has some skill to pass protect that will only get better, and I think he's an underrated receiver because he's just not used an awful lot, and sometimes people just equate receiving skill with usage as opposed to, again, quality over quantity. Um, and Freeman's got excellent footwork. I, I, really, I think that he's finally getting some of his due because of the fact that they looked at his metrics and now started to go back and you look at his film and realize that he's been there all along.
1: And uh, I have seven running backs here, and you mentioned one of them already, and that's Kerry on Johnson. You mentioned he's underrated. You might want to head on him, but I'll give you. The list of the seven and then I'll let you pick two that you either think are better or maybe not as good as people are expecting them to translate to the NFL. I've Mark Walden, Kerryon Johnson, Naheem Hines, Josh Adams, John Kelly, Kaelin Bollage and Bo Scarborough. There's a really interesting group, you know, going, you know, in those kind of later round to mid round picks, but that could have a a very, very high upside when they they get to that NFL level. What's your thoughts? And I'll let you pick two from the list. (laughs)
2: Yeah, I think on Johnson is probably the guy that I think is head and shoulders above the ones that you mentioned there. Um, he's just so smooth and flexible. He, he's someone that has carried the load, and I know that he's had some minor injuries, but they're not major things. Um, I think he reminds me of a player... Who you know when you look at how he plays, he's he's he can be a dual threat. So you've got that, you've got the burst, you've got the change of direction, quickness. You have the leverage. He understands leverage, which is what generates power more than just sheer strength. Um, so he's a guy that I that I expect to have you know to be very promising in this particular draft class. And then when you look at some of the other guys that you mentioned, I think John Kelly's interesting. I mean, I certainly like his game. Um, I think that you know the way that he catches the ball. He, it's not only just that he can track the ball well, he also can do it in the middle of the field, up the seam, be able to know that a defender's coming to make a hit and that he can take the contact. So I'm, I'm a fan of that. Um, and he's also someone that's very strong after contact in terms of his balance. Um, the the quickness and you know agility, those are the two areas where you know acceleration and change of direction and quickness are really the two things that... Um, concern me about him. Is he just a guy, or is he someone that may be able to show a little bit more than that than what I saw, you, you know, in terms of his metrics? Is, is on the field he looked pretty good, but it's going to be interesting to see if he can make that jump um, in those areas. Because he, it's not like Ronald Jones. Ronald Jones, you see it really leap off the page in those two areas. And even if the metrics weren't as, as strong, you can see how it translates to the field better. But with Kelly, he's kind of – he's just quick enough – against some top competition on film that you really want to rely on the numbers more and the numbers don't look good. So is that, you know, they don't look as good as they should look. So he's a a guy that I think is going to be interesting to see how he translates.
1: And uh, just before we wrap up, is there one player, you know, let's open the whole draft, quarterback, receiver, tight end, running back, whatever it is, one player that, you know, maybe going in those later rounds that you think that people should be keeping an eye out out for as we head towards uh, the fantasy season in 2018?
2: Yeah, I like Justin Jackson, the Northwestern running back. He, um, he's, if we're going to look at him and Ronald Jones by comparison, um, I think that Justin Jackson is underrated, and I think that he could be as good or better um, than Ronald Jones. Um, he's, he's extremely quick. He carried the ball. Touched the ball over twelve hundred eighty. Touched well, 1,284 times, um, only had several, seven fumbles over the course of his career. So he has very good ball security in terms of his ball security rate. Um, he understands how to use his frame to generate the most power that he can out of situations. A lot of that's based on first contact. And, develop, and creating leverage off of that first contact and using his agility in conjunction with it, which is very similar to what Jamal Charles did to be successful between the tackles, um, despite being in that six foot, you know, 200 pound range. And that's about the same range as Justin Jackson, and their metrics are very similar. Um, he's equally good at zone versus gap running. He's a decent receiver, um, you know, and I think that when you look at his game, he could be very much a surprise for a team that I think he'll be looked at first in a, in a late round or mid-round role as a scat back. And as a result, he'll have to overcome that label a little bit to really show that he's capable of being more um And that may be that type of bias because early round picks get more privilege than late round picks in terms of opportunities to show themselves. And there's a bias that comes with that privilege because teams are trying to justify the amount of money they sank into that player. Um, And so if you're a late round pick, you can have six reps and do one thing wrong and you're going to be seen as not being able to play or having an issue. Whereas another player in the first round may have, you know, 12 reps and do it wrong five times and they'll look at him and say he just needs more experience to get better and we're going to keep giving him those opportunities so Justin Jackson may be victim of some of that but if he can overcome it and just play as well as he's capable of he may be a name to remember
1: yeah and I always every year you know it's done, it's done me well over the last kind of six or seven years finding out who Matt Waldman was saying was the underrated player that he thinks that you should watch out for so uh, it's one of, the, <laughs> one of the things I do every year and of course with the rookie scouting portfolio you can get all that good information get ready for even if it's not for before the draft after the draft you still have all that information to get on those players as you head towards your fantasy drafts do you want to fill the listeners in on where they can get their copy if they haven't already done so?
2: sure you can go to mattwaldman.com to order it right away if you want to learn a little bit more about it you can go to mattwaldmanrsp.com. um and the you know like you've mentioned there's a pre-draft edition and a post-draft edition because most dynasty players play you know tend to play their their teams more like redraft leagues and you see second round and third round picks sitting on the waiver wire a year later or two years <laughs> later the pre-draft is very good and i've always resisted selling just the post-draft because of the fact that it gives you that reference but the post-draft will give you the immediate outlook in terms of fit with depth chart analysis and the cheat sheet that combines my rankings versus what um how teams how leagues are drafting so you can find sweet spots for picks
1: Awesome, awesome stuff. Uh, thanks again, Matt, for jumping aboard this show. That's going to do us for today's edition of the Road of Radio NFL Draft Preview Series. We've talked running backs, we've talked quarterbacks, and throughout the series we've covered all the positions. So if you haven't heard all the episodes, be sure and check back through the feed to get them all and get up to date with all the information. Some great guests along the way. The show was brought to you by the FFPC. My name is Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. My guest today was Matt Waldman, creator of the Rookie Scouting Portfolio and writer for football games com, who you can follow on Twitter at Matt Waldman. Until we're back with another show, have a good one. Thank you for listening to the Rotoviz NFL Draft series. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You can contact us via email at at gmail.com and follow us on Twitter at Road of Biz radio And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz at a thirty percent discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast.
0: The wait is finally over. Knotfest Roadshow is back. Soul, the of the me. October 13th, Jiffy Lube Live. We are not featuring Slipknot. With Killswitch Engage, Beaver 333, and Code Orange. I, Tickets on sale now at
2: livenation.com. Part of the Metris Warehouse Concert Series.